Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 15 of the SmackDown Wind Down Recap and the Highs and Lows from Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. I am your host and humble guide, Kayla Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 15 of the WrestleSubtopia Network comes to a close. So happy Saturday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as we wrap up another crazy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW. And it is Money in the Bank weekend. It's almost here. The most unprecedented, unusual, unique ladder match in WWE history takes place tomorrow night at 7 Eastern, 6 Central on the WWE Network and you can experience the craziness of two matches happening at the exact same time as both the men and women representing Raw and SmackDown climb the corporate ladder to become Mr. or Miss Money in the Bank 2020. And this is going to be a very non-traditional episode of the SmackDown Wind Down because honestly, SmackDown was a sea of predictability. It was a sea of trading wins and losses heading into a pay-per-view and knowing that who wins last night will not generate the same result on Sunday night, in most cases, according to WWE booking. So I'm going to talk about a couple of the matches that took place last night, and then I'm going to go right into the card for Money in the Bank. And as a bonus item, I'm going to recognize some of the MVPs during the empty arena era in WWE and AEW since March. I want to give a spotlight to those performers who've given so much to us by going the extra mile to entertain us from the comfort of our homes as we can't go to the shows in a live setting at this time until things get better and quite frankly we do not know when that's going to be with more shows getting delayed and canceled from wwe aw ring of honor new japan pro wrestling major league wrestling and the national wrestling alliance these are the major organizations that will either delay shows for the rest of the year or run shows without fans. And that is going to be some major business decisions that will be made in the weeks and months to come. We heard earlier today from the mayor of Boston that any events or festivals or parades will not be taking place in the city through at least September 7th. And that will include SummerSlam weekend from Boston. So no takeover, no SummerSlam in the Boston, Massachusetts area. And that says a lot for what WWE intends to do in the meantime, in between time. And Florida is a different ball game. Maybe you could have a small sect of fans when things decide to reach a level of normalcy there. But in terms of running major arenas across the country, I don't see it happening any time soon. So the best we can do is to try to stay as engaged with the product as we possibly can to support those that are putting in so much work, whether you're listening to this podcast, reading a blog online, looking at YouTube videos, doing whatever you can to support those outside of the mainstream, including myself, because the mainstream keeps us relevant, it keeps us thriving, it keeps us going. And I would be lying if I didn't say that disengagement has affected this podcast. And it's no fault of what I'm doing or what you're doing as fans. It's a large section of viewers that simply do not want to watch empty arena shows. AEW and NXT has managed to stabilize their numbers. Raw SmackDown have been falling, falling, falling for the past several weeks after WrestleMania. And if that doesn't change anytime soon, then things are going to get very anemic and scary in terms of what WWE, what USA, and what Fox is going to do to try to solve the situation. 
It's not going to be big arena shows or stadium shows to fix this. It's going to be wholesale creative and or cosmetic changes to add life to the Monday and Friday shows and to get you back. And the question is, how many of you will come back when things get back to normal, when we don't even know when that's going to be? So hopefully we can have an answer to that someday soon. But in the meantime, I want this podcast to be a ray of sunshine and hope to get through the week. And being engaged is the most important thing to make sure this ship stays afloat because of you. Without you, this simply does not exist. And I am reaching out my hand to you as of right now to encourage you to ask you if you're watching the Money in the Bank pay-per-view this upcoming Sunday. You're not watching alone, I'm watching with you every step of the way. If you have anything tangible to say during the broadcast, do not be afraid to reach out to me directly via email at russellsoap at gmail.com or ladywrestlingx on Twitter. You can find me directly there by reaching out to me via DM. If you have something to say about the show for all four hours, if you're watching the pre-show as well, my inbox is wide open from 6 Eastern until midnight Sunday. Please don't hesitate. Be a part of the show. As always, you can remain anonymous and we can let your comments flow from my voice as I reenact your thoughts right here on the podcast. It's more important than ever before to reach out to a community that feels as if this industry is leaving them behind because it's not offering a lot at the moment. But if you got something to say and if it's a good show, don't be afraid to say what's in your mind. If it's a bad show, don't mince words either. So please reach out to me via email, once again, at russellsoap at gmail.com or my Twitter page at X and send me a DM. And I promise you, any comments you choose to leave anonymous, I will not say your name. But if you want your business out there and get a shout out, then you know what to do as well. So please, please, please feel free to join the conversation with me for Money in the Bank this upcoming Sunday on pay-per-view. And without further ado, let's take a deep dive into all things Friday Night Smackdown, which emanated from, per the usual, until further notice, the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida was taped a couple of weeks ago, as this is the go-home show for the Money in the Bank pay-per-view on Sunday night. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, Smackdown was incredibly predictable. It wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination, but it was very meh. But I will single out some things I did like on the broadcast, including the opening match featuring Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. They had a short match. I was a little disappointed because a match of this caliber that has really been fueling SmackDown, keeping the lights on for the women's division over the past couple of months, I thought deserved a more illustrious spotlight. But for the few minutes they did work together, I thought they worked incredibly well as competitors. And they've worked so well together as a team for the past five years. And to see them have this chemistry as friends turned frenemies, now official enemies, it made total sense. Sonya Deville's striking ability was excellent during this match. I loved her aggression, loved Mandy's aggression as well. Had a pretty clean match that Sonya won via a roll-up when she blocked Mandy's knee to the face to get the win. She did grab a hold of the tights to pick up the one, two, three, and score her first significant victory over her former best friend. Sonya Deville is locked in on this character. Her look, 
her performance in the ring, her shit talking when she had Mandy in a submission hole, yanking out her eyelashes. It was perfection. She is awesome. And Mandy is starting to also be more aggressive and have more feelings in this storyline to make her stand out as well. It is one of those cases where I wish we had an audience that was there to take in the action because I feel as if this would be a hot feud in front of people, especially with the end of WrestleMania. The concern of Sonya Deville cutting that promo a few weeks ago in a live setting versus an empty arena is that the fans probably would have shit on everything that she had to say if they did not take what she had to say seriously at the time, despite her delivery and performance. Now, the good news is I do feel when things get back to normal and that day is to be determined, the delayed gratification reaction to both ladies will be pretty strong depending on the fan base's enthusiasm. Hopefully it'll be high whenever this thing subsides. But it's very important to know that the personalities are starting to click, which means their in-ring work matters even more. There's an emotional weight to what you're doing that fans will gravitate towards. It's not impossible to get over when you've had a rough couple of years on the main roster, losing all of your matches and not being treated as a serious act. When you have storyline support and you have the acting ability and the promo skills to pull it off, then yes, you will be rewarded with fans in the building someday appreciating everything you've done. And that is the connection that we're looking for. So this is a big test to see whether the people at home that are dedicated, watching every single week, can connect with you on an emotional level. And I honestly think it's happening and they will be rewarded for the effort when fans are allowed back in the building, even if it's in an intimate setting like a full cell or the WWE Performance Center, something to liven up the joint. But I thought both ladies did a great job and this is not the last we'll see of them. And it's a true testament to know that you can have a feud without a title at stake. It's possible for the women's division in WWE. NXT is a testament to that every single week. You can have several feuds spin off at the same time and there's no belt at stake. You can give multiple personalities to your women's division that need that emotional weight and that credibility to vie for a championship when it's time to do so. And Sonya Deville, to me, is in prime position to be a champion before the end of 2020. And Mandy Rose could be right behind her to act the next generation of the Sashas, Baileys, Charlottes, and Beckys because next gen up, who's gonna be that next crew to elevate themselves to elite status? We shall see, and I give credit to everyone that put this story together to make this the strongest and most stable storyline in WWE in 2020 outside of Edge and Randy Orton leading up to their ho-hum match at WrestleMania. But this is top-notch work from both ladies along with Otis, Tucker and Dolph Ziggler as well. Moving on to the highlight of the show for me was the eight-man tag team match featuring the New Day teaming up with the Lucha House Party against John Morrison, The Miz, and The Forgotten Sons in an eight-man tag team match. The work rate in the last five to six minutes featuring Lucha House Party and John Morrison was tremendous. It was great. It was innovative. It was incredible. I can't use enough superlatives to describe how underrated Lucha House Party are in the tag team division. And this is a prime opportunity for them to elevate their stock at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view this upcoming Sunday as a vie for the SmackDown tag team titles. Lince Dorado and Grand Metalik, they proved to me that WWE have their own iteration 
of Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix, period. If you put the backing behind them and allow them to be themselves, they are great. Their offense on John Morrison in the closing moments of this tag team match was phenomenal. The Poison Ranas, the Spiked Ranas, the walking the ropes, the everything they did in between, and I'm making that up, it was clean and spot on. The splashes they did with the New Day on their opponents early on as well, everything they did left me wanting more. And that's what we're missing in this empty arena era for WWE. We need that excitement, that spark. And those guys last night, along with John Morrison, who bumped his ass off, sold to the hilt. And he had his own moments as well in the ring. The New Day, as always, you can always rely on them to have good performances. Kofi was the babyface and pearl for a lot of the match, but he came through towards the end by making the hot tag to Big E. But he was handled thanks to the Forgotten Sons when he laid him out with a stump, reverse DDT onto the floor as they took out Kofi as well with a power bomb on top of Big E for good measure. Now, I have had my druthers about the Forgotten Sons since their call up to SmackDown, but their in-ring work has been impressive, but I need more from them in the personality department. Until I see that, then I will still see the stench of their NXT run all over them, which is a shame. As for the finish, Lindsay Dorado hit a picture-perfect reverse Rana, spiked John Morrison to the mat, but he did not realize that Morrison made the hot tag to The Miz and Miz immediately hit the skull crushing finale for the win to make up for what happened a couple of weeks ago on SmackDown. And based on what we saw during this eight man tag, the Fatal 4 featuring all four teams for the SmackDown tag team titles at Money in the Bank could be a show stealer if they're given time to do batshit crazy stuff. I expect the craziness from Lucha House Party and John Morrison and throw in Kofi Kingston for good measure. Big E's gonna bring the power. The Forgotten Sons will bring whatever they can to the table as well. I do expect this to be a barn burner if they're given the time to shine. And Lucha House Party, they opened my eyes tonight that they could be the tag team in WWE if they had some support behind them. And with the Usos unfortunately being out of action for quite some time, this is the next best thing. And it's good to see them get some nice shine in the ring. And they truly impressed me last night by delivering one of the better matches during the empty arena era for WWE. One more in-ring highlight to note from last night's show was the interactions between Cesaro and Drew Gulak during their six-man tag team match featuring Daniel Bryan, Otis, and Gulak against Cesaro, King Corbin, and Shinsuke Nakamura. Cesaro and Drew Gulak, they work incredibly well together. They had a very good match at WrestleMania that was short on time. Give these men 25 minutes in any setting, from the moon, empty arena to Mars, they will deliver the goods. Their technical wrestling technique is unmatched besides Daniel Bryan, and that is saying a hell of a lot. They were the highlight of the main event as Drew Gulak unfortunately ate a deep six, courtesy of King Corbin as he wins for his team, heading into the Money in the Bank pay-per-view on Sunday after the match was over. There was a big melee featuring Shinsuke Nakamura, Drew Gulak, Daniel Bryan, and Baron Corbin, and that spilled on to the outside with Otis jumping in for good measure. Ultimately, it came down to Otis, Daniel Bryan, and King Corbin climbing that ladder. Otis is ruining the steps because they break every time he climbs, which means how in the hell is his weight going to support a ladder on Sunday? We shall see. 
if he gets one of those big show reinforced ladders to climb that proverbial corporate ladder to become Mr. Money in the Bank for the first time in his career. We do have some former Money in the Bank winners in the form of Daniel Bryan and Baron Corbin going at it as well with Corbin climbing the ladder to grab the briefcase to close out the show. And it's going to be one or two things happening. First time winner, two-time winner, where we have two successful cash-ins, where we have the make good with Corbin cashing in successfully the second go-round, we shall see. But overall, I thought this was an eh, okay show. As I mentioned, a lot of predictability, a lot of stuff that did not matter, but I did love some highlights in the ring from last night's show. It's apparent that we've hit the bottom of the barrel in terms of excitement for WWE at the moment. And I'm not including NXT because their numbers have stabilized, but Raw and SmackDown is very scary right now. The engagement is very scary. And that is something that they need to address starting on Monday because they go back to taping for the next couple of weeks. That will be in the bank by Tuesday for Raw and SmackDown. And hopefully during this time, they can reevaluate, maybe add some wrestlers to the ringside area to add some liveliness to these shows. AEW has done a great job of that over the past few weeks. And I do knock them for the lack of social distancing, but the ambiance definitely helps that show not be so dreary and sleepy for the viewers at home. And WWE has to make that same effort to make their shows exciting. I know it's very challenging and tough to do, but you do have excellent resources from Full Cell, from your own production crew, as skeleton as it may be, to put something fun together for the viewers at home. You did it for WrestleMania with the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse. We don't expect these cinematic matches to air every single week because you will water them down, but you have to change the atmosphere of these shows because you are eroding viewers at a record clip that we have not seen in a very long time. You to your numbers are awful. And yes, it's a pandemic going on, but at the same time, your other show on Wednesday is not suffering as much and AEW is not suffering as much as Raw and SmackDown. And that is a situation that must be addressed. Here's hoping there is positive buzz coming out of Money in the Bank to help elevate these numbers for Monday. Because if not, then it's going to be a crying game once again, which I hate to see because I rely on good wrestling to keep this show alive. When the ratings are down, this show sinks. Let's be honest. And it does not matter how good of a job I do or how good of a job WWE does. Perception is reality. If the product is cold, the industry that covers the business is cold as well. Whether you're mainstream or indie like myself, you do bite that bullet when it comes to how this product swings or sways one way or the other. It's a pendulum. It's a balancing act. And hopefully they can find a level of calm the hell down and try to get some fans back. But that's ultimately the fans' discretion at the end of the day. And it's something that we have to deal with. I have to adapt and hopefully WWE can do the same as well. Because this cannot go unignored any longer. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. So hopefully next week, this is an up week because this is a post-pay-per-view. And hopefully some semblance of a bounce is there for this upcoming Monday. Moving on to the preview for Sunday's Money in the Bank pay-per-view, which takes place live and taped 
from the WWE Performance Center and WWE Corporate Headquarters in Stamford, Connecticut. And here is the card as of right now. And let's get the big enchilada out of the way. The Money in the Bank ladder matches for both the men and women of WWE, Raw SmackDown, climbing that corporate ladder from the ground floor all the way to the roof of WWE HQ for the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. We have AJ Styles, Aleister Black, Rey Mysterio, Daniel Bryan, King Corbin, and Otis. For the women's Money in the Bank ladder match, we have Shayna Baszler, Asuka, Nia Jax, Lacey Evans, Carmella, and Dana Brooke. This match was taped several weeks ago from WWE HQ. It has been cut and edited for our viewing pleasure, hopefully, as we get ready for the most cinematic masterpiece in WWE history since the Boneyard match and Firefly Funhouse at WrestleMania. Let the chaos ensue this coming Sunday on pay-per-view. Also, we have Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt in a singles match for the WWE Universal Championship. There is no fiend in this match, it should be noted. We have Bailey versus Tamina in a singles match for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins for the WWE Championship. And The New Day, Big E and Kofi Kingston versus The Miz and John Morrison versus Forgotten Sons, Steve Cutler and Jackson Ryker and or Wesley Blake versus Lucha House Party, Grand Metalik and Lindsay Dorada in a fatal four-way match for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championship. A short card, to say the least, as I think most of the attention will be given to the Money in the Bank ladder match on Sunday from WWE HQ. And hopefully this can be a memorable show for all of us as we try to get back into the swing of things as that engagement of being fans is ever wavering, but we're trying to remain strong during these most trying times. And before I wrap up the show, I did want to recognize some of our MVPs representing WWE and AEW throughout the pandemic that is gripping the nation and the world. Those who have gone above and beyond to entertain us every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday night. First off, honorable mentions, I want to shout out Otis for doing a job well done during his entire storyline with Mandy Rose over the past several months. Next up, the MVPs. They include Asuka, Chris Jericho, Tony Schiavone, Drew McIntyre, Zelina Vega and her crew as a unit, including Angel Garza, Andrade, and Austin Theory, along with Bray Wyatt as well. This is an unscientific poll I did last week on social media to ask fans if they would nominate to be their MVPs during the empty arena era. And those were the answers in a small sampling size. If you have your own picks to nominate, feel free to do so by hitting me up on social media at Lady Wrestling X or emailing me at WrestleSoap at gmail.com to make sure your voice is heard too as you should be added to the MVP list that will grow increasingly in size in the weeks to come. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 15 of the SmackDown Wind Down, recapping the highs and lows from Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter, where you can find me promoting these podcast shows on the semi-daily, recapping Monday Night Raw, AEW Dynamite, NXT, and Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. Feel free to download past episodes dating back 
to January 28th, 2020, which served as a fallout from the Royal Rumble, as well as all things AEW leading up to Revolution, and now double or nothing over the next couple of weeks. And of course, that crazy winding road to WrestleMania that culminated at the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. You can find me on your favorite podcast directories by searching WrestleSubtopia on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Plus, Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. Subscribe, download, and listen today, anywhere, anytime. I'll be back on Monday morning at 6 a.m. Eastern with the Money in the Bank review, recapping the cinematic masterpiece known as the Money in the Bank ladder match from WWE headquarters. Until then, enjoy your Saturday and your Sunday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.